0: You're listening to a podcast by Abide Church and Pastor Dan DeBell in Tulsa, Oklahoma. We pray this podcast helps you live, love, and look more like Jesus this week. Enjoy the message. Hey, today I want to talk about the title for today's message is Salvation for Them. Salvation for Them. If you're a believer, hopefully you have people in your life that you are praying for that you know that are far from God. They might be close to you, but they're far from God. Maybe you have a neighbor, a coworker, somebody in your life. Maybe it's a relative. Maybe it's a a son or a daughter who in, in your life you think, man, Lord, would you bring them home? Would you bring them salvation? Lord, would you save their life? Would you draw them close to you? And maybe you've been going through a time where you've been praying that for a long time and you felt tempted to give up hope in this situation. My prayer today is that in this message that it would stir all of us to have a renewed passion for praying for people in our lives that are far from God and realizing what is at stake when people are far from God and how we have an important responsibility to pray for people uh, that are in our lives so that they can be introduced to Jesus. And so we're going to read, if you brought your Bible, go to Luke chapter 5. I'm going to read a story from Luke chapter 5 today. I'm going to read in the New King James Version. If you didn't bring your Bible, that's okay. We'll have it on the screen for you. Uh, I'm going to read through this story and I'm going to show you how it kind of applies uh, to us today. Let's start in Luke 5, starting in verse 17. It says this Now it happened on a certain day, as he was teaching, this is Jesus, that there were Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting by who had come out of every town of Galilee, Judea, and Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was present to heal them. Then behold, men brought on a bed a man who was paralyzed. Whom they sought to bring in and lay before Jesus. And when they could not find how they might bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the housetop and they let down with his bed and th- let him down uh, with his bed through the tiling into the midst before Jesus. So literally they uh, basically had to tear a hole in the roof, dig a hole through the roof and uh, lower this man into the presence of Jesus. It's always fascinating to me to think about this story because I think uh, when did Jesus realize people were coming through the roof, right? Like the hole wasn't big enough for a full-grown man right away. So was Jesus like, hey, that's okay. Keep digging that hole, making it bigger until it's big enough. Uh, you know, at what point did they see a, a, a hand, a shovel, something come through and then eventually they had to continue making it bigger and bigger and bigger until let's fit a person down here. Interesting to think about, verse 20 says this, When Jesus saw their faith, he said to to him, Man, your sins are forgiven you. And the scribes and Pharisees began to reason, saying, Who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Verse 22. But when Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered and he said to them, Why are you reasoning in your hearts? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, rise up and walk? but that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. He said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, arise, take up your bed, and go to your house. Verse 25, immediately he rose up before them. He took up what he had been laying on. He departed uh, to his own house, glorifying God. And I love this in verse 26. And they were all amazed, and they glorified God, and they were filled with fear, saying, We have seen strange things today. I love that. We've seen strange things today. Wow, I did not come expecting to see what I just saw. Amazing. Point number one is this, be a stretcher bearer. If there's somebody in my life that is far from God, that I'm pleading with God, Lord, would you draw them close? One of the things I have to make, and you have to make a commitment to do, is to say, I am going to take some personal responsibility. I'm gonna be a stretcher bearer. I'm going to be someone who puts in the work to get them to Jesus by any means necessary if I have to. Uh, Our actions have an incredible impact on other people, whether good or bad. Our actions reveal a lot about who we are, a lot about what our heart, uh, the condition of our heart is on the inside. In fact, our actions speak significantly louder than our words. Let me remind you, Luke 5 verse 18, it said this, we just read it, but it said, then behold, men brought on a bed a man who was paralyzed, whom they sought to bring in and lay before him. And look at this, verse 19. They could not find how they might bring him in because of the crowd. This man needs Jesus, but they couldn't get to Jesus because of the crowd. And I think the religious leaders here, the crowd and the friends are a picture of the types of people in most churches. There's the religious leaders, the crowd, and the friends. And I think often in most churches, even in today, those are the same close, roughly the same category of people in every church. There's the religious. What happens? What do they do? They show up to critique, to correct, to pounce on anything wrong that was said or done. And here's the problem with the religious. They know it all they have done it all and because of that you can't minister to them at all and that's heartbreaking there's a second one which is the crowd the crowd is so enamored by what's happening and making sure that they can see that they turn their back to the ones who need Jesus the most and this i think is oftentimes what is most represented in the modern church is the crowd Because what happens is we get so enamored by making sure that I can see and I am a part that I have my back turned to people who actually need to be at the feet of Jesus because they need a miracle today. But what happens is we turn our back to people And we are looking at our church and our our great programs, and man, our worship was so good today, and man, we want to see people saved, and we want revival, and man, I wish more people were here, and I wish uh, things would, would go a little bit different, but man, our church is so awesome. I'm so glad I get to serve with my group of friends. Meanwhile, what does this action say to all of you out here? Pardon me for being harsh, but here's what it says. You can go to hell. We're just happy that we have a good seat. Can we be real? And that's why we wonder, why aren't, why, why aren't people willing to go to church? If we're not careful, we can fall into the crowd mentality that says, there's no room for you here. I got my seat. I'm good. I can see. Meanwhile, thankfully, there was a third group of people in this story, the friends. And the friends, what do they do? They will do anything in their power to get the people who need help as close to Jesus as possible, even if it means i got to dig a hole through the roof. I'm going to get my friend into the presence of Jesus. I'm going to dig a hole through the roof. I'm going to carry him for miles, whatever it takes. I'm going to do what they can't maybe do for themselves. For us, thankfully, uh, we don't have to dig a hole through the roof today. But for us, maybe for somebody, you might have a friend who they can't do something for themselves, meaning this, they, they have no idea how to pray. They're far from God. They might be even slightly interested in God. But guess what? You can stand in the gap on their behalf and say, I'm going to pray for them, that God would draw them close. And in doing so, what am I doing? I'm putting in the work and the action to be a good friend to say, spiritually. I'm going to carry you to the feet of Jesus. You may not even know it yet. You may not even know that you're being carried in the spiritual realm to the feet of Jesus, but I'm going to commit to do it every single day. And guess what? It's not just that, but it's the, it's the physical and the, the, um, it's the effort behind it. Am I willing to go through a little bit of passion and effort in my prayers the same as these friends had to put in some effort and action to dig a hole through the roof, am I willing to do the same in my prayer life for people that are far from God? Am I that heartbroken by my neighbors and coworkers that I know that are far from him that I'm willing to pray for them, really pray for them? How do I approach church every Sunday? It's a good reflection question. Do I approach it like the religious? I'm here to critique, correct, suggest, but I don't ever want to actually get my hands dirty and get involved? Am I like the crowd? I'm here to get my seat so that I can see, so I can make sure that I'm fed and I'm good, everybody else can deal for themselves? Or do I approach church like the friends? I'm ready. I'm willing to serve someone else if I need to. I'm here. I think it's interesting. Scripture tells us that God supplies seed to the sower. He supplies seed to the sower. That makes me think, Oftentimes, what do I need in my life? Can I sow that into someone else's life? What do I need in my life? Can I sow that into someone else's? Maybe for you, you need some faith. Man, your faith is like you're struggling right now. Speak faith into someone else's life. Watch what it will do for your faith. Maybe for you, you need prayer. Pray for someone else. Watch what it will do for your prayer life. Maybe for you, you need some kindness. Be kind to someone and watch how it will show up in your life. Maybe you need joy. Share joy with someone and watch how God will multiply that seed in your life so that you have more to sow and an abundance to sow. Maybe for you, you have a prodigal son or a daughter that's far from God. Serve someone else's son or daughter and watch how God will supply seed to the sower and watch how he'll move in your life to bring your prodigal son and daughter home into the family. We say this around here, that spiritual contributors, they get the most out of church because they show up with the attitude of Jesus, simply asking this, who can I serve today? These friends showed up with the attitude of Jesus. How can I get my friend help today? I don't care if I can hear, I don't care if I can see or not what's going on, I just know I gotta get my friend to Jesus. Spiritual contributors get the most because they show up with the attitude of Jesus. And at that point, it's no longer, I have to serve others No, because of my love for my friends and my neighbors, I get to serve others. I get to. Ephesians 4 says this. It says, Jesus makes the whole body, the church is what we're talking about, the body of Christ fit together perfectly. Everyone say perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. This is why we talk so much about serving on the A-team here at Abide Church. It's not because we're just trying to get some free labor out of a bunch of people. (laughs) That's not it at all. But Scripture does tell us this. When we all do our own special work, meaning we have a part to play, no matter how big or how small, when we do that, not only does it help me, but more importantly, it helps the people around me. Think about if my shoulder decided that it didn't want to work anymore. It's no longer the shoulder just saying, I'm out, I'm going to take a break, But hand, elbow, fingers, you guys are going to be fine. Keep doing your own thing. Right? That's not how this works. If my shoulder doesn't work anymore, everything past that is now affected. And I think sometimes this is what happens spiritually in the modern-day church. I've unplugged. I'm not willing. I don't want to put in the effort to see other people saved. I just want to make sure I'm good and I have my seat. This thing stops working and it affects everything that should be working properly past it. That's what happens in the spiritual realm. Why is it important for us to be not just at a church, planted in a church? Because Jesus fits the whole thing together perfectly. And as we each do our own special work, it helps the other parts grow. What does that mean? That means that other people are helping you grow and you're helping other people grow. The whole body is healthy, growing, full of love. I don't know about you, but that sounds like a great church to me. But what does it take? A little bit of effort. Am I willing to be a stretcher bearer? Am I willing to be a stretcher bearer? Am I willing to put in the work to see other people that are far from God be brought close? Number two is this, have faith that is seen. Have faith that is seen. This is the fascinating part of this story, is that Jesus is teaching, and there's a crowd, and everyone wants a, a good seat, but these friends come and they prove, and they show and they reveal something about Jesus about Jesus' character. Having faith is good, but does my faith have feet? Does my faith have feet? Is it noticeable? Is it seen? Is it visible? Not to earn salvation, but no, to bring salvation to others. Let me show you from this story right here in Luke 5, 19. It says, they went up to the housetop and they let him down with his bed through the tiling in the midst before Jesus, through the roof. And look at this. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to them, man, your sins are forgiven you. When he saw whose faith? The lame man? No, the friend's faith. When he saw their faith. He said, your sins are forgiven. Literally, what happened? The friend's faith had the power to bring salvation to their friend. That should be so encouraging for us. Incredibly encouraging for us. Because you may have someone that's far from God. You may think, man, I don't know how they're ever going to come home. They are literally running from God, but I'm praying for them, and and my heart breaks for them, and I have a passion for them, and I'm, I'm believing, and I'm pleading with God for them. I'm going to show you right here. We see what is Jesus' response. It's a reminder to us that my faith has the power to bring revival, it has the power to bring life change, and it has the power to bring salvation to others. But what is it? It's prayer backed by action, it reveals true love for others and it produces results. Prayer backed by action, this faith backed by action. 1 John 3.18 says it this way. It says, let us not love merely in theory with word or with tongue, giving lip service to compassion, but in action and in truth. Meaning this, in practice and in sincerity because practical acts of love are more than words. I can be praying for the lost to come home and I may work with a bunch of lost people that don't know Jesus. And I'm praying that the lost come home. But everyone I work with can't stand to work with me because I always have a bad attitude. And I'm not kind, and I don't serve other people, and I'm not aware of what's going on around me. But I'm praying for the lost to come home. You see how our actions speak louder than our words. But when I back my prayer and my faith-filled prayer with action, Lord, show me how I can represent you well to my lost coworkers today. Now when I approach work that way, things begin to shift. Things begin to change. God begins to open a door for me to invite, to pray with, to encourage other people. Uh, I was working... I, I. I uh for a time in my life I worked at, at Chick-fil-A and uh the Lord's chicken come on somebody and uh I worked at Chick-fil-A and uh believe it or not not everyone that works at Chick-fil-A is uh, a believer okay I hate to break your the burst that bubble for you but they're not uh especially uh in my location in the back, uh, in the kitchen area, there was a, it was pretty rough back there. And uh, that's where I got started. And when I got back there, uh, everyone that I worked with, they knew that I was also a pastor. And so I was bivocational, and I was back there. And I'm bread and chicken, and I'm frying fries, and I'm doing all this. And I had a lot of people that I worked with that were lost. They knew about God, but they wanted nothing to do with God. And as I continued to work, I said, Lord, I'm not... I'm not gonna go in here and preach my message that I have prepared for Sunday, but Lord, I ask that you use my daily life to draw them close to you. And it never failed. There was two guys I was praying for in particular. Two young men, and it never failed. When their life got to a point where everything was falling apart, who did they wanna talk to? Me, not because I had all the answers, but because they knew I had the most important answer. They came to me and they would invite me into the little office in the back and they say, man, can I talk to you for a second? I'm struggling with this. I don't know what to do about this. What, do I, what am I supposed to do? And I could just have the open door to say, here's what, I, here's what you can do. Give some godly wisdom and then pray with them. And at those moments, for both of them, there was a breaking point. And after both of those moments, things changed. They began to show up at church they began to read their Bible. It wasn't just a few weeks later, one of them came up to me and said, hey, I want to start reading my Bible, but I don't know where to start. Oh, bro, I got you. <laughs> I, can, I have that answer. But what did it take? Not me preaching. It took me showing up and having a faith that is seen, producing the fruit of the Spirit continually, day in and day out. Not that I'm a perfect human being or you're going to be a perfect human being. You're going to have days, but here's the thing. When your focus is Jesus Use me today. He wants to answer that prayer. He wants to answer that prayer. Your prayers of faith backed with a loving action is enough to change someone's life. That's why James says, faith without works is dead. There's something lacking in our faith if it can never be seen. Let me say that again. There's something lacking in our faith if it can never be seen. Faith without works is dead. So yes, it may be my faith, but it can lead to their revival and their salvation. Never underestimate the power of the faith that God has gifted you with, and the faith that you're building for your own self, how the overflow might affect people around you. Point number three is this. Let God do the miraculous. You see, oftentimes we put all the pressure on ourselves, and it's like, well, I gotta gotta do everything. I have to heal them, I have to save them. No, you may have a part to play some plants, some water, but God brings the increase. The increase is the miraculous. God does the miraculous. God does the heart change. God does the, the, the miraculous healings that take place. God is the God of the impossible. But when I choose to be a stretcher bearer, and when I have faith that is seen, I can confidently let God do his work. And God's desire is to bring complete freedom and wholeness spiritually, mentally, physically, but it's our job to get people into the presence of God. Sometimes that means I got to carry the kingdom of God, the presence of God to them in the workplace or to them as my neighbor or to them, whoever I'm uh, interacting with during the, during the week. But sometimes it means I got to get them into the presence of God here, like at church as well. Come with me. Come sit with me. I got a seat for you. Luke five twenty six. Let me remind you, we, we read this. This is the Amplified. This is how it ends. It says they were all astonished. The man's just been raised up from, from the stretcher, the bed that he was in. He's, now he's, he's walking. They were all astonished, and they began glorifying God, and they were filled with reverential fear, and they kept saying, we have seen wonderful and incredible things today. We've seen wonderful and incredible things today. I want to remind you that the manifest presence of God, what is that? The made known presence of God, the manifest presence of God, it comes with the manifest power of God. The made known presence comes with the made known power. It is obvious. This is why... You may say, Pastor Dan, you're a little biased, and you're probably right, but this is why church is so essential. Because when we gather together, we've talked about this quite a bit over the last several weeks, this is where the manifest presence of God is. His omnipresence is everywhere. His inner presence as a believer is with you everywhere that you go. But when we gather, His manifest presence is available, His made known presence. And it's God can show up and physically begin to change things for our favor and in our favor. Every week, my wife Leslie and I, we pray this prayer, and I've been sharing this with our team quite a bit, but we say, Lord, today at Abide Church, let people leave here talking more about you than they are talking about us. And that's how this story ends. What? We've seen wonderful and incredible things today. We've seen wonderful and incredible things today. And that, my friends, is my prayer for our church. That when we gather and the presence of God is available, that people are saved every week. People are healed every week. Marriages have new hope and are restored every week. Addictions can be broken every week. We, we have an, an anticipation for God to do something. And as we leave, we're not talking about how funny Pastor Dan was or how great something else was. or, or what, No, we're talking, about the, we're talking about the presence of God. We've seen wonderful and incredible things today. They left talking about the power of God, not how nice the house was that Jesus was in. Not how comfortable the seats were not how friendly the people were not how funny jesus preached they left glorifying the miraculous works of god and the power of god the miraculous power of god is the catalyst to revival it's the catalyst to life change because when god does something in here It begins to expand and a new creation is born and old things truly are passed away. We say the miraculous and so many times we think that it's always a lame person standing up and walking. The most miraculous thing that can take place is salvation. The changing of someone's heart on the inside. And so we can leave, abide on Sundays and say we've seen wonderful things today. Why? Because someone gave their life to Jesus today. It's not just that somebody was miraculously healed and that can't happen and we're believing that will happen and things. We're not, someone's marriage was restored. That's great and we're praying and believing for that. But the most important miracle that can take place is in here. Lord, change me in here. But what's fascinating about this story is that I think not every person at that gathering that day received what they were there for. Here's why I say that. In Luke 5, 17, it says that there were, let me read it from here. He was teaching that there were were Pharisees, teachers of the law sitting by, who had come out of Galilee, Judea, and Jerusalem. And the very end of verse 17 says, and the power of the Lord was present to heal them. Who's it talking about? The religious. The presence and the power was what? It was there to heal them. There very well could have been some of the religious leaders present who needed healing themselves, yet they never got to experience it. They never got to experience it. Hear me. Their unbelief, their lack of faith, and their lack of expectation robbed them of it. Jesus talks about this other, th- other times throughout his ministry in Matthew 13, 58. It says, Now Jesus did not do many mighty works there because of their unbelief. Some churches never see God do the miraculous because the people show up not expecting God to do the miraculous. An expectation of God, I'm not talking about God, you better do what we're asking you to do. You better do what we want you to do. That's not it. But when we align our time together with God's word and we see in scripture that his presence is backed with power, I should expect to see some wonderful and miraculous things today. Why? Because the presence of God is here. And where his power is, there is life change. Some people never see God do the miraculous in their lives because they don't have expectant faith. It's not, again, it's not that I'm, God, do what I want. My will over his will, that's not it. It doesn't mean that everything is always gonna work out the way that I have planned it to, but it should challenge me to pray with greater expectation in agreement with God's word. Simply this, Lord, if you said the prodigals would come home, I'm gonna believe it and I'm gonna pray for it. Lord, if you said that bodies would be healed, I'm gonna believe it and I'm going to pray for it. And I have no, I, you know, you may be like, I've never prayed for someone and seen healing take place. That's okay. What if today's the day? What if today's the day? What if today's the day God wants to use you to minister healing to someone else? Lord, if you said in here, I'm going to pray for it, I'm going to believe it, and I'm going to back it with action. Lord, you said that addictions could be broken. I'm going to believe it, and I'm going to pray for it. Lord, you said that prophecies would be fulfilled. Lord, I'm going to believe it, and I'm going to pray for it. If we show up on Sundays with the expectation of, God, we know your presence is here, and we're gonna leave this place talking about the wonderful and the miraculous things that we saw, how would our time together change? If I showed up with a little bit of a fiery expectation in my heart, in my spirit, in my faith to say, Lord, I can't wait to see what you do today. I think God's looking for churches that are saying, Lord, if your word says it, we believe it and we're here for it. Help us minister it to people. Amen. God puts people in our lives so that we can bring them to Jesus. But sadly, too many times our actions or maybe our lack thereof turn people away from our church, away from our precious savior because we've taken the responsibility off of us. Now my job Someone else can get them saved. Someone else can pray for them. Someone else can do something. And that's simply not true. You may say, Pastor Dan, is it really my responsibility? Let me show you something. I have this big Bible up here. This was a gift to me from my dad. And it was his dad's Bible. And uh, it's got this amazing (laughs) case on it and it's got a million notes and little pieces of paper stuffed through it and and put in pockets and things like that. But on the actual pages themselves, there's not one underline and there's not one highlighted portion. Not because my grandfather wasn't in it, no, he was in it. But it was too precious to him to mark up. This is one of the best gifts I've ever received because I can look through here and I can see my grandfather's handwriting. He's well passed on, but I can see his notes and I can see what the Holy Spirit was saying to him years in decades ago. But there's one thing that's always stuck out to me and it's pinned in the very beginning in the very front of this Bible. And I'm gonna read it to you and I have a picture of it. I'll put it right up here on the screen for you. It says this, On the street I saw a small girl, cold and shivering in a thin dress, with little hope of a decent meal. I became angry and said to God, why did you permit this? Why don't you do something about it? And for a while, God said nothing. But that night he replied quite suddenly, I certainly did something about it. I made you. And that's the heart of this message is that God is looking out and in this story that we just read from scripture, Jesus is there and he sees the faith of these friends and he says, these guys get it. Their faith has changed this man's life. And church, I pray that we would be the type of people, the type of church that says, I see a need, I see a lost person, I see someone God, I know you made me to help that person. God, I know you you made me to love that neighbor. You made me to, to help and to serve that coworker who's far from you. Lord, I will take responsibility. I will be a stretcher bearer. I will have faith that is seen. And then Lord, I'm gonna trust, put them at your feet and trust that your power and your presence is gonna do the miraculous. I'll do my part, Lord. And I know you're going to do yours. Let me pray. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your word. And I thank you, Lord, that today you're stirring the hearts of our church. To be a church that is not a crowd, Lord, no matter how many people show up our heart is not to be a crowd our heart is to be friends (laughs) we want to be the type of people lord that will go to work that will be a stretcher bearer that will dig a hole through a roof that will pray until something changes no matter how long we pray Lord, we want to be the people that will do what we can do to get the lost at your feet the hurting at your feet and in your presence And Lord, I pray that this week, as this message resonates in our heart, I pray that you would open doors of opportunity for us to put into practice all that we have talked about today. And Lord, I pray most importantly that today, if there's someone in here, maybe someone listening back to this, Lord, if they are far from you, if they don't have a right relationship with you, but Lord, today is their day, their miraculous day of salvation. I pray that you would help me find them. In Jesus' holy name, everyone said, amen.